there's something I thought was interesting that happens in the summer to every student. And in educational circles, you, you would know what I'm talking about when I say this. It's called the summer slump, okay? The summer slump is something that happens to all students, regardless of the age. After six weeks of finishing the school year, they, students who don't have any fo- sort of follow-up, will lose the, or regress the ability to do principles and practices they, that they've worked at all year. Six weeks, that's all it takes. And so psychologists and researchers are on top of this, and they're saying, like, okay, how do we beat the summer slump? They, they're like, okay, here's what you got to do in order to beat the summer slump as a student. And uh, all my CSM students are getting sweaty palms right now because they're like, don't tell my parents what to do in the summer to keep me mentally engaged. Ah, yeah, so... All you have to do is read a little bit here and there or do some small sort of exercises that kind of beat the summer slump. But in the reality is, in summer, students feel like doing schoolwork the least, right? Right? Like, if I were to give you a 10-page paper right now, adult or student, to do, you would not like me. Like, let's just be real, right? And, and so I think that's so interesting because it takes six weeks for the slump to start. And I think there's something, a connection that happens not only in academics and in our education circles, but there's something that happens in our spiritual life as well. And it could happen in the summer, really could happen really at any point. But what I'm calling today is success in the summer slump. That's what I'm calling today's message, success in the summer slump, making a new wineskin. I'll get to there in a minute. But today, if you felt today in the summer... Because I don't know if it's just me, but there's about a thousand things that are screaming for my attention this summer. Is it just me or is it everybody? Like there's priorities that are off the charts. Like everybody has about a thousand million different things going on. And so if you've ever felt these things, you might be in the summer slump. If you're feeling unmotivated, if you're feeling unfocused, if you're feeling lost joy or lost exuberance, if you feel stuck, stale, distant, maintaining or coasting, you might be in the summer slump right now. If you're not, that's okay. You're probably going to need this in two weeks. So pay attention today, okay? Because here's the main point that I want to get across to you today. Throw out my main point. Passion for Jesus is marked by choices and commitment, not emotion. Because too often we go to church, we look for an emotion, and we try to maintain it and sustain it throughout the week. Like we associate Jesus with happiness or joy or exuberance. Those are things that come out of a good relationship with Jesus, but those are not the things, the feelings that we should strive towards. So today I'm talking about something. I'm really excited to talk about it. A lot of times in our life, we want a move of God. We want something big to happen to us, but we are not ready for that move. So today, I'm going to be talking about how do we become ready in and of ourselves to sustain a move of God. Because God wants to pour into you. He wants to do great things in your life. But sometimes we are not ready to, for that. So I'm going to, I'm going to be talking about, a, I'm going to be giving you an illustration today that's going to be the main thing that I'm doing this message. And we're going to be running through a lot of different things. But there's a biblical illustration of wine and wineskins. And now I am not 
talking about alcohol or drinking alcohol, if you get anything like that from this message, you've totally missed the point. There is an illustration in the Bible that's very, very purposeful and intentional. And um, like I said, passion for Jesus is marked by choices and commitment, not emotions. We have to create a new wineskin in us so we can hold what God is doing in our life. Okay? So today, I'm going to ask you. This is more of a teaching than a, than a sermon. I, if, you, if you want to get something out of this message, you will take notes. Okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, take notes. Okay? <laughs> There's something on the back of the, the, the seat backs if you want to do written. Use your, a note on your phone. I don't care. I, I won't pretend like you're... You, you promised me you're not checking Facebook or your text messages if you're taking notes on your phone. Okay? All right? Capiche. Good. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this day. God, we thank you for this teaching that you're about to share and you're about to make real by the power of your Holy Spirit. Be with us today. Illuminate what you want. In your name I pray. Amen. I first um, came aware of this. There's a verse in the Bible that we'll read in a second, but I came aware of this when a friend prayed over me and he said, um, prayed for me. He said, God, allow Matt to, to be a wineskin that is healthy enough to sustain the move of God that you want in his life. And so today, we're focusing on, instead of challenging you, I want you to give you an opportunity to be changed. In order for you to get challenged and stay challenged, to get movement and get health and stay healthy, because so many times in my, in my life and in our life as Christians, we go to church, feel good, go home, and nothing changes. Like, the Holy Spirit doesn't just want to be a Sunday thing for us. He wants to be an everyday thing, right? So um, I'm going to show you a picture here. This is the comparison that we're getting at today. Just to give you a visual, right? On the right is an old wineskin. A wineskin is something in biblical times. It's not really a thing nowadays, but it's something in biblical, in biblical, biblical times. that It's an animal hide that would hold wine. And over time, it would um, become old like that on the, on, the, on the right. But on the left, that's kind of what we're going for, right? That's the new wineskin. And those are not biblical style. They're like the closest thing we can get to a biblical style wineskin. Obviously, I, there weren't too many Instagram pictures taken of wineskins back in the day. So I couldn't really find one for you. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> but the wineskin is you, right? And the wine is God or the Holy Spirit, or whatever he wants to do in your life, okay? So I am going to share with you what I've done research on, a, where a craftsman took, um, he, he gave four characteristics of old wineskins, and then he gave uh, seven steps to create a new wineskin. This is from a craftsman. That's what he's saying to do. And so there's Four steps, four characteristics of old wineskins we're going over. Seven steps to create a new wineskin. Some of these terms you'll know, some of these terms you won't know. But there is a deep spiritual significance to every single one. So lean in and hear what God wants to share with you today. Okay, let's dive into the the passage. Luke 5, 37 through 39. No one puts new wine in old wineskins. For the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the wineskins, ruining the skins. So here's the deal um, before we go to the next slide. The deal is the new wine is still fermenting. So there would be gases that would be released 
that would spill, it would explode the old wineskin because the old wineskin, if you put new wine in the old wineskin, it would expand because the, the wine, the new wine's fermenting and it would, it would explode, it would, it would burst. And so it would spill the wine, right? Um, there's some awesome new wine, old skins, lost wine. Continuing on. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. This is Jesus talking. He's talking to, um, to a, a bunch of different people, including his disciples. 39 says, But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old wine is just fine, they say. And, and the feeling that Jesus is telling this story with is it's a, the, the audience is feeling, what a waste right now. What a waste to put new wine in old wineskins. Because we're wasting something that somebody worked on. And it's so interesting because Jesus in that, right before this, he's talking about don't put a new patch on old garment because it wouldn't work, right? The, the new patch would expand, the old patch wouldn't, and it would, it would rip. And so Jesus is saying, I am coming. The reason why I'm here and the reason why Jesus is here in our life is not to just reform us. It's to transform us. So you, in your life, if you feel like you add Jesus to your life more than allowing him to be the foundation where everything is built on, Jesus is telling you today, you have it backwards. You can't put the new on the old. You have to be totally new in order to hold what God has for you. So um, for, we're going to dive in. Again, these are, the, uh, these are four characteristics of old wineskins. And the spiritual significance is very obvious, but I'm going to make connections for you anyway, okay? This is the first characteristic of an old wineskin. First one is dry, rigid, with lots of ruts. Dry, rigid, with lots of ruts. And so here's the significance there. I think here's the deal. All of us in our life go through dry seasons. We go through ruts. I remember um, <clears throat> when I was in college, I used to really, really have a lot of time to read the Bible and pray. I used to, act, it was really cool. I used to spend like 30 minutes of prayer, 30 minutes of reading the Bible every single morning, wake up super, super early. And it was great. I loved it. Like it was so much, so much fun. I, I got a lot out of it. But when I got married, I didn't have the same time to do that. And I was feeling conflicted because I was like, um, I need to keep what I've been doing here and just transport it to my new season. But in reality, it didn't work. So, and I was feel, feeling frustrated at myself. I'm just married. I'm feeling frustrated at my marriage. I'm feeling frustrated at Mary. That's not even, it's not even on her. And so I went to a mentor in my life and I said, dude, what is happening right now? I used to do, I used to spend an hour with God every day and now I can barely find 30 minutes, 15 minutes sometimes. And he says, Matt, you, you need to understand that your spiritual life changes with the changing of the seasons. Your prayer might not be on your knees in your prayer closet like it used to be. It might be while you're washing your dishes. <laughs> it might be while you're folding laundry. It might be while you're doing something else because if you are unaware that your spiritual life changes in spiritual in, in, in your seasons, you will become frustrated at yourself and you will always be in a state of comparison and frustration that you are not the way that you used to be. And that's, that's not even how God created it. And so some of us are in that space right now where I, you're just thinking, comparing yourself to how you used to be. 
Man, I always used to be in the Word. Man, I, I used to read books about Jesus. Man, I used to do all this stuff, and then I fill in the blank. But that's not how we should operate. Or maybe your, your comparison is towards somebody, a leader in your life, right? <laughs> I preached a message called one time, no, there's no win in comparison. And where, where comparison starts, contentment ends, right? Comparison will take you out. It will not push you towards a goal. It will take you out of even the paradigm of going to where God wants you to be. That's the first thing. So I also with all these things, um, all these points, I have an application question, right? Something for you to reflect on. Here's my application question. If I find myself in a rut today, how much of that is attached to comparison? And so here's continuing with that idea. If you find yourself hearing a lot of, like, not in a, like, weird psychological way, but, like, hearing voices in your life, like, things that are, like, trying to get attention, you know, the, something that's whispering, you're not good enough, you used to be spiritual, but now you're not, like, be aware of those voices, because oftentimes what you give your attention to is where you also give your heart, and that's dangerous. So, um, that's the first thing. Point number two of characteristics of an old wineskin very brittle and easily broken when bumped. Whoo! Okay. I'm about to ask you a question. And if this question makes you mad at me, that is a red flag. How easily offended are you? If you just got mad at me for asking that question, you need to check yourself. Okay? How often do you find yourself playing the victim and eluding yourself or removing yourself from responsibility because it's somebody else's fault. If you say they as the subject of your sentences, when something, goes mi- when something is missing, if you say they more than you say me or I, you are in a really offended paradigm of thinking. Okay? And it's so interesting. Proverbs eighteen nineteen says this. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. When you're offended, you put up walls. Um, arguments separate friends like gate, a gate locked with bars. One thing I have struggled with this past year is bitterness. And bitterness is something um, done a lot of heart, you know, rearranging in my own self. And God has helped me out a lot with that. But bitterness is something that happens where someone in your life, um, when they do anything, whether it's good intention or not good intention, Whatever it is, you process what they're doing through a negative lens. And you actually get angry at whatever that person does, no matter what. That's bitterness. So be aware of that. You might be struggling with an old wineskin in that area. And so um, here's the question. Do I find myself playing the victim in my life too often? And so here's, here's, here's my application. Own that responsibility. You will be more of a mature leader if you own responsibility than you will be if you evade responsibility. Fathers, specifically, I just read this. You can teach your kids how to own mistakes better than anyone else can. Now I'm a father, so I'm like really up into the father business and stuff like that. I love it, right? It's really amazing. Um, But 
you can teach your kids a couple different things. There's like three core things you can teach, and that's one of the things that you can teach is teaching your kids how to own responsibility and own mistakes. Okay, third one of characteristics of an old wineskin. Third one, small cracks somewhere on the inside. And so a wineskin, when it was cracked on the inside, wouldn't leak, but it would evaporate the wine. And it's so interesting because um, it would look fine on the outside. It would look totally fine. And if you were to test it, nothing would get in it, but somehow the gas would get out of it and it would eventually evaporate the wine. And so you might be finding yourself in a situation today where you feel evaporated. Like you feel like there is nothing that you could do or say you're just drained of energy, emotionally, physically, everything. And, and the reality is there might be some sort of hole, some sort of crack on the inside of you that you might need to be addressed today. Um, and I think in our 21st century America, we love projecting that we're okay. We just love it. Like, make sure that everybody else knows that I'm financially okay, that I have, my family isn't, you know, too crazy. You know, I want to make sure everyone knows that I have my feet on the ground. That's what we're really good at, at projecting in America. However, so many times, like Jesus, there's a story, it's, it's really cool, where he's walking and there's a fig tree that should have been bearing fruit and he cursed it. Because it wasn't. It was all leaves, no fruit. And so many times in our life, we're all about the leaves. Make sure everybody knows, hey, I'm, I'm about to you know, bear fruit. I'm okay. But there's no fruit in our life. That is a problem. That's three. Here's my question. Is there something in my life that is a cover-up of a deep, deeper issue? Authentic, authenticity starts with being real with God and being real with the people who are close to me. There's something in my life that is a cover-up of a deeper issue. Four, I'm moving quick, lose elasticity so they are not able to be easily stretched. And so elasticity and the ability to be stretched is lost when there is not a constant source in our life of personal challenging. If you don't have relationships in your life, that is a big red flag um, because you could be on an island and everybody, an island looks great from far away. You could be, you could be in total turmoil unless you're literally on fire. An island looks fine from, the, from a distance. Um, and so we so often make sure that we are just like, you know, okay. Like it's just like what I was saying earlier. Like we're just, you know, I'm okay. I go to church on Sundays. I, you know, worship, I raise my hands eventually, you know, every once in a while, I'm okay, I'm in this box, I'm not going anywhere, I don't swear, <sighs> okay, but if God were to ask me to give, I mean, I tithe, so I'm, I'm already there, but, and if God were to ask me to go somewhere on a mission trip, I have not enough vacation days to take, that's a problem, if you find yourself excusing yourself to be moved by God, then your elasticity your ability to be stretched is not there. And um, I should have said this earlier, but <laughs> when you try to make a wineskin, the animal has to be totally dead. I should have said that earlier. Should, I, should, I should have said that, right? <laughs> uh, 
In our life, in order for God to move, we have to be totally dead to ourself, right? We cannot have any prior preferences or, or, or anything like that. We have to be totally dead. And Romans 7, 4 says it really well. So, my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. You died with Christ. And now you're unified with the one who is raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. And so, I, one of the things that we say in church often is, be dead to yourself, be alive in Christ. That, um, I wish there was a, like, a better way to say that. Like, that's kind of church lingo. I'm not a huge fan of church lingo. But what, it can mean a, a bunch of different things for your life. For me, it's making sure my priorities are not selfish. That's what it means when I'm dead to myself, is that my priorities are that of my family, are that of um, reading the Bible, spending time with God. That's where I know that my priorities that are not selfish, therefore I'm dead to myself. Right? That's just, I'm just giving you some flesh to that, right? Um, question. Do you have in your life, who do you have in your life that is personally speaking into your spiritual journey? I had a mentor growing up in high school, um, and he's actually a pastor in Westchester, and so we still are in connection, and I love him. Um, But he is, he called me up and out on a lot of stuff. And so here's the thing. You need to speak out a spiritual mentor in your life. Maybe someone who's older. It doesn't have to be. If you can't find somebody who uh, might be like what exactly what you're looking for, my tip would be just to say, hey, so-and-so, can I just sit down with you for 30 minutes? I have these three questions to ask you. I'm struggling with these three things here. And I'm going to respect your time. Once 30 minutes hits, I'll cut you off, and that's it. We can do a Zoom call, whatever. That's one way to quick mentor, right? Practical tip. Okay, so those are the characteristics of old wineskins. Now we're going to go to the seven steps of obtaining a new personal wineskin. I hope you're taking notes because this is good, right? We're going to go back to that scripture in Luke 5. Um, New wine must be stored in new wineskins, but no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say, or the NIV says the old wine is better. And it's so interesting because I thought it would be great, right, if this verse says, like, it would be really preachable. Like, for me, it would be great. You know, if this says, the new, no one who drinks the new wine wants to go back to the old wine. I'd be like, drink the new one, yeah. You know, like, it would be easy to preach that, right? It would be easy to talk about that. But that's not what it says. It says, no one who wants the old wine wants the new wine. Or no one who, who drinks the old wine wants the new wine. Why is that? It's because we, in our own self, love to stay stuck. We love to stay in our box. We love to be all, like, just doing the things we've always done and, and just, you know, playing the church and, and being religious, and that's that. And I'm okay with that because I'm comfortable with it. The old wine's just fine. That's what we oftentimes like to do. But in order for us to actually have God move in our life, we need to be pursuing what it looks like to have a new wineskin. And being okay with the old wine is not what it looks like to have a new wine skin. Um, I almost made my main point, right, act- right actions produce right feelings. That was like literally like honorable mention, almost my main point. Right actions produce right feelings. <laughs> that I give you a sub point. 
<laughs> right actions produce right feelings. But my main point, let's throw it up there again. It's in like the second slide. Um, passion for Jesus is marked by choices and commitment, not emotion. Passion for Jesus is marked by choices and commitment, not emotion. You can tell that I'm, yeah, I am an emotional, emotive person, but I'm not trying to shout at you today because this is something that God wants to get in your heart, maybe through the filter of your head. First, first thing, this is steps to obtain a per, new personal wineskin. And this is, again, literally how a wineskin is created, a new wineskin is created. So some of these, again, is, yeah, step one is curing, right? Some of these terminologies, they don't work or they don't make sense, right? So this step involves salt water. It is the first stage of cleansing, loosening, and softening the hard areas. So this is the, the idea of the spiritual tie-in is that we need to have our, the hard areas in our life softened. And what is a hard area in our life? Usually the hard area is a pain or a disappointment in our life. That is a hard area. And when we're curing in salt water, it's not always comfortable, right? When we have a hard area in our life addressed. For, for many of us, that's something that was a family um, unhealthy situation. For many of us, that's a, a, a sort of thinking that we always result back towards. That's a hard area in our life. Perhaps it might be trauma in your life. I don't know what, what it is in your life. But the Holy Spirit, I think, is illuminating some things in your heart. So here's my, here's my response or my thought question Application question. What is a hard area of my life that I need to ask Jesus to heal me in? Every decision that we make affects eternity. My eternity or somebody else's. Every decision that we make affects eternity. Remember, right decisions create right emotions. Number two, soaking in pure water. And this is what the craftsman said. Almost any stain can be cleaned by soaking in pure water after the salt water. Almost any stain. That's really cool. And so we often, we often come into these you know, moments where we just spend time in God's presence like we did this morning like during worship. And we often go in and we're just like, God, I have nothing. Like, I am empty. Please help me. And God meets us in those moments. When we're coming in and we're expecting or like thinking like God in a selfish sense, we're thinking, God, this is the situation. I want it to happen like this. Why are you not doing what I want you to do? That's not a moment where we can actually grow. If we just spend time with Jesus, that's the moment where he can speak to us and we can, we can, we can grow. My question, how can I seek more of the presence of God in my life. And I think it's so interesting because the continue, continue being filled is the idea. Continue being filled. It's not a one and done. It's not a Sunday thing. It's not a when I turn on this pastor, you know, his podcast and I, he preaches really well and then I get filled. No, uh, I, I listen to sermons too. I love them. But spending time with Jesus is really the key. Number three, fleshing. 
This is the first major cutting after the initial gutting out of the animal's flesh. This is the first major cutting. A fleshing. And there's actually a fleshing knife. It's like a really sharp kind of curved knife. It's really interesting. It's like curved on the, um, a way that you wouldn't expect it to be curved the other way. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Whether you are a Christian and you're on fire for God right now, or you're a Christian and you're in the summer slump, or you are maybe trying to figure out what you believe, no matter what, if you read the word of God, it will expose you. It should expose you. If you read the word of God and in your quiet time, and if, you, if you're not challenged by that, then you need to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you through the word of God in order to challenge you. Every story in the Bible, although maybe not equally applicable, could be challenging to you, no matter what it is. And so um, this, uh, the fleshing, right, the gutting, uh, after the gutting out, it's a major cutting. This could represent sanctification, right, where we're pushing towards growth. We're pursuing growth. We're pursuing what God has for us. Here's the question. What am I doing to continually grow in my relationship with Jesus? If, and if I'm growing in my relationship with Jesus, I will look like him more. And so here's, here's what that means. I was, man, I was just at a friend's house yesterday, and she shared this awesome story about she was in college, and she became a Christian because people around her were Christians, and they had something that intrigued her. So you need to, as, as a Christian, be in community. That's where your strength is found. That's where you can grow, in community. Join a community group. I mean, it's not even the community group season right now. Well, it is. I don't know, Rob. What, is it like September? Yeah, whatever. Um, join a community group when that comes, because growth happens in community. Step number four, the unerring process. The unerring process. This is where this is soaking is in line so the workmen can begin to check for any remaining hard spots of flesh. And so interesting because the lime actually burns the hard spots of flesh. That's how it removes it. It burns it. And so many times, even as mature Christian, I like to call myself, I have moments where I still have... God burning things in me. Like, I still have moments where I'm like, that hurts, but I know that should not be in my heart. That hurts, but I know that mindset that I'm having is not correct. That hurts, God, but I know that you're working in me, right? That's the unerring process. It's the fiery times. And this verse I'm about to share with you is an intensely personal verse. It got me through a lot in this past year. It's uh, Isaiah 48.10. Wow, I'm about to get emotional. I have refined you, but not as silver is refined. Rather, I have refined you in the furnace of suffering. I have refined you, but not as silver is refined. I have refined you in the furnace of suffering. There's a per- and Notice, God is the one refining Notice where we are in the fire. The hard times in our life 
are not meant to be hard and stay hard. They're meant to teach us a lesson and to, for us to grow and move forward and be closer to God. God refines us through fire. And sometimes the fiery times that you're refined in will set a fire and you'll walk out totally, totally changed and on fire for Jesus. It can ignite us and burn us away. So here's my question. How is Jesus refining me right now? That's that question to your I, I see some heads nodding. Like that's a really, maybe it's an obvious question or maybe it's an obvious answer for you right now. How is Jesus refining me? Um, yeah, he will nudge you right back towards himself. Step five, scudding. So a, this is a different knife than the, the fleshing knife. The scudding blade is both thin and very sharp. Any flesh, even the smallest bit, left on the skin will eventually rot the wineskin. Scudding, that's what this one's called. And so a scudding is only the, the most skilled craftsmen can scud. Because they're the only ones who can really pick out the smallest things and, and throw it away. Because even the smallest bit of flesh will rot the wineskin. And this is meant for us as the unerring process. After the unerring process, we're supposed to be scudded. After the fiery times, we're not finished. God still has some things he wants to just fine-tune. 2 Corinthians 7.1 because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that could defile our body or spirit. And let us work towards complete holiness because we fear God. Complete holiness. It's not perfection, but it's holiness. Just because something hurts doesn't mean that it's bad. Jesus is the craftsman, but oftentimes the scudding blade is our community. The scudding blade is our accountability. My question for you is this. How much do I allow both the Lord and accountability to use the scudding knife in my life? The, the Lord will be the craftsman, but the scudding knife will be those you, you allow into your life. Who has the scudding knife for your life? Think about that. If there's nobody in your life that has the scudding knife, you need to make that change really quickly. Number six. Bathing. This is done in a special solution of oil and rubbed directly on the wineskin by the craftsman's hands. It's, it is for the purpose of softening and stretching. That's the purpose of bathing. And it's the oil of the Holy Spirit that presses us, softens us, makes us moldable, makes us able to be stretched and put in a way that is used for his purpose and used for his glory. Romans 7, 5 through 6. When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work with us, and the law aroused these evil desires that produced a, harmful, a harvest of sinful deeds, resulting in death. But now we have been released from the law, for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. Just because you call yourself a Christian does not mean that you're operating in the fruits, fruit of the Spirit. It's one fruit. It's one fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I think I got them all. Yep. I have a hard time with lists. <laughs> but uh, 
you can't, you can't be moving in peace, right? But then not growing in self-control. It's one fruit. In Greek, it's one fruit. Like, that's the purpose of it, the fruit of the Spirit. One thing. As you grow, all of those things should look evident in your life. How am I growing in the fruit of the Spirit? Fruit is grown. Gifts are given, but fruit is grown. Fruit is grown in your life. Gifts are given, but fruit is grown. How am I growing? And if you make faith your focus and not your add-on, you will grow in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Okay, last step. Worship team, why don't you come at this time? Seven, the drying process. And this tests on whether or not the wineskin is usable. The drying process. This is an awesome verse I'm about to share with you. And um, incredible verse. This verse, I'll, I'll explain it. I'll read it and then I'll explain it. Isaiah 43, 17 through 19. I called forth, this is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. But forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers and dry wasteland. Here, it's almost like, you know, we, we sing, you know, all my life you have been faithful. But what we leave out of that sometimes is like, we sometimes want the form of faithfulness that, he, that God once functioned in. But Jesus, or God through the prophet Isaiah said, forget all that. Forget the form, not the faithfulness. Forget the form of which I used to be faithful in your life. Because I want to do something that's brand new. And in your life, you might be stuck and feeling like you are in a dry spot. But it's part of the process. The drying is the most important part of the process. Because that's the moment that you're, you're, you're made usable. The drying, the desert, the moment where you feel like you're the farthest away from God, that's the moment. That's the ultimate test. You could cry, you know, say that you put this wineskin, the craftsman puts a wineskin on a shelf to dry. You can, you can babble on the shelf and say, I wish I was... I was in the game. I wish I was being used by God. I wish I was there. But God is saying, I put you there because that's part of my process. I put you in the desert because that's part of my process. I put you in the fire because I'm refining you. You might feel far away from God today. You might be in a summer slump. But know that he doesn't change. We might change, but he doesn't. And passion for Jesus is marked by choices and commitment, not by emotion. How, how do I connect with God when he feels far away? Passion for Jesus is marked by choices and commitment, not by emotion. How do I feel God 
in, in, in this time that that's just feels like overwhelming. Right actions create right emotions. How do I do it, Matt? I just feel done. Man, God is not done. You're in the process of him making you something so special and usable for him and for his glory and for his purposes. So I want to ask you a question today. My final question, it's not on the screen. What does your wineskin look like today? Think about that for a second. What does your wineskin look like? Maybe it's, you know, the, some of the old wineskin characteristics are on your life. And you're saying, I need to, to ask God to transform me. Or maybe you're just in process of becoming a new wineskin today. Remember, though, God doesn't do new things in old containers. God does new things in new containers. He will try to do something new in your life, but if you're not ready to receive it, you can't operate in that. And if you're here today and you're thinking, I really want to move and do something for God, start small. Start with what's in front of you. It's choices and commitment. What are those things in your life? That's what passion for Jesus is defined as. Choices and commitment. Maybe it's as simple as making the choice to wake up a little bit earlier and spending time with God. Maybe it's the choice that I need to actually listen to more Christian leaders in my life and not just hear it on a Sunday. Maybe it's a choice of I need to actually worship on my own at home and not just on Sunday mornings. What small choices in front of you that you need to do? Maybe it's a choice of community. I need to get myself involved in community. Maybe it's a choice of mentorship or accountability. You need mentorship and accountability in your life. Trust me, you need it. What is it that that you need in your life? What does your wine skin look like today? We're about to sing a song. It's a very reflective song and intensely personal for me and Mary. We've sung sung this song many times, um, and it's more of a prayer for us than anything. Um, It's called New Wine, and uh, it's a song we've never sang before here at Bridge. Um, They they tell you in church ministry not to do a response song that is new. They tell you that, right? But we're not doing that. So we're breaking a little bit of the rules. I hope you're okay with it. But this song is really, really intensely personal. And it is a prayer. So I'm going to just read some of the lyrics. This is the chorus of New Wine. It says... Make me your vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing but all you have given me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. So the goal of a new wineskin is not to hold new wine. It's actually to pour it out. That's the function of a wineskin. It's not just to store it, it's to use it. Here's the bridge. Where there is new wine, there is new power. There is new freedom. 
and the kingdom is here. I lay down my old flames to carry your new fire today. Let this song be your prayer. Let this song be your heart cry of God, do it in me. Whatever it is, I'm done doing it on my own. I want you to do whatever you want to do in my heart. Let's worship together.